right, let's get the show started. All right, let's get down to business. So we have uh, Magnolia Estates here, finally. Um, so what's up? Tell us a little bit about your life even growing up. Where did you guys, uh, where were you guys born? Where were you raised? A little background. All right. I'm Adrian Perez. Um, I'm originally from Mexico. I was born in California. My parents moved back to Mexico at the age of one, came back to the States at the age of 11 and uh, pretty much stayed in Orlando all, all throughout, except for last year where we moved nice. to uh, St. Pete. So, and here is Tanya. Hi, guys. I'm Tanya. I'm from Colombia. Um, I came here when I was almost 17. Um, I used to live in Tampa. Then I moved to Orlando for four years. And I'm finally back uh, close to Tampa. So we live in a little place that is called St. Petersburg. All right. So it looks like we have, uh, we're all from or have history of our parents coming from other countries. Do you think that motivated you guys to kind of get started or start something? Yeah, definitely. I've, you know, when you come from struggle or you've, you face difficulties growing up and you see there's lack of money, parents fighting over it and stuff like that, that's, that kind of feels to do something totally opposite to what they did. A little extra motivation. Totally. What about you, Tanya? Uh, yes, definitely. The, that's kind of like a little push for you to like try your best and, and take advantage of, of the sacrifice that they did leaving their family to provide a better future for you and more opportunities. So definitely, I think that's a way for for you to thank your parents for what they did. I think that's huge, especially, uh, at least for me, my parents coming from Cuba. Um, they came here when they were in middle school so they didn't make i guess personally the amount of sacrifices but i think it still goes hand in hand because then you have your abuela your abuelo going through it Uh, i know my mom got to see some tough times um even in those younger years and coming to the uss or usa uh the land of opportunity uh, they got here and my mom didn't know english didn't know really anything coming from Cuba and she had to grow up starting from high school essentially in a whole new world Uh, and I always saw her grind and that was something that always made me want to push for more make sure that I can give back uh, for doing so much that a lot of people don't really appreciate or even know that others do go through a lot more difficulties coming from other countries so let's actually start it this way Tell us what you guys do. What What's the business? Um, yeah, we're a real estate company. We fix and flip. We own rentals, Airbnbs. Uh, we have a wholesale operation based off of Columbia. And uh, yeah, that's pretty much our business. So, And how old are you guys now? How old we are? Yeah. We're both in our 30s. Okay. And when did you old. start? We started a year and a half ago. Okay, cool. So, and I know I worked with Tanya for a little bit in the timeshare world. Uh, before we even get into the business side of things, what's what's been the dream job you had when you were younger? Those first dream jobs. <laughs> Mine was uh, be a journalist. A journalist? Uh, yes, something complete different that, that what we do now. It's complete different. What about uh, you? For me, I wanted to be a dentist. <laughs> <laughs> How old were you when you wanted to be a dentist? I've always wanted to be a dentist, growing up, obviously. Since I remember, I just wanted to be a dentist. And then uh, and then as I grew up, I I didn't find myself in that. As, as being a doctor or a dentist, I, I, I just really disliked people not taking care of their teeth. And I couldn't imagine cleaning people's teeth and get, me getting dirty or oh. smelling it. So I was like, man, I'm in the wrong place. <laughs> I don't I don't know what kid at a young age likes the dentist, yeah. let alone wanted to motivate to be one. Yeah, that was me. Good, <laughs> good thing I didn't become a dentist. I feel like maybe we needed you to be a dentist at that point. Oh, no, trust me, no. no. <laughs> so, uh, so how do we come about this idea? So I know you guys have a bunch of rental properties flipping, and now you're doing a bunch on Airbnb as well. Where did the idea stem from? So... For me, it was the first time that I went to Europe. I was in Rome, and we were staying at this place owned. So it's like 
three bedrooms in one like building and the owner was the one running the the operation he had a bread and breakfast and right at that moment i was like man like if we can just bring this to the states and do it and then when i came to the states started doing research i was like oh it's already here too it's called airbnb <laughs> <laughs> you guys thought you guys invented something didn't you yeah. did you ask the guy any questions about how he was kind of doing this bed and breakfast or did you kind of say the light bulb came on let's when we get home then we'll let's dig into this yeah it was for me it was just seeing him run it and and being there and just everything coming together being abroad just getting that different perspective from when you travel and i was like man this is a really cool idea maybe you know let's do something back home and then when i came back uh in 2016 i had a friend who owned a house uh, his parents has passed away and i was like man let me you know you own the house let me furnish it and then we'll split profits and we did pretty good we did for an entire year it worked out perfect but then you know they had they wanted to sell the property and I wanted to, you know, go to school, pursue other things rather than just be managing that Airbnb because it was like a full-time job. So how far in between that trip with the idea and then starting that rental property? How much time it went by? Um, so I know these guys from the gym and I knew they had, I know what had happened in their family. And uh, obviously I didn't approach them right away because of, you know, their parents' death, but they were like, we don't know what to do. They approached me. They asked me. I was like, man, I don't know. What, why would you put put it on Airbnb and I'll manage it? And, you know, they just started asking questions. I started doing a little bit of research and then bought all the uh, furnishings from Facebook Marketplace. Got it real cheap. <laughs> Took some friends to paint the entire house from the inside. And within just a couple of weeks, we were alive. Ready to go. So then when you were managing that, what because it sounded like you went back to go work or school. So it didn't sound like you were fully invested yet into that this future or what could be. So then what switched? Um, yeah, I mean, I was, I was in school still. Um, I, had, I was working at CVS at the time, so that was like a, just a side gig. But I knew that it consumed a lot of time. So I think that one year was just a good experience for me to – see what it would take and how it would be and how to run the operation. And then, uh, you know, it was just a, like a really good experience back then for that, the, for the time being that they were able to lend me the property per se. So, so you were still kind of sold on doing that maybe in the future in a bigger aspect, but it just wasn't there yet. So you kind of took an off road, I guess, to say, when did you get back on the road? Yeah. Um, no, I just we just got back to it a year and a half ago. I mean, we really didn't own anything up until a year and a half ago. And let's jump. Let's. I want to ask you this question right off the jump. How many properties do you have right now? Uh, we currently own twenty three doors in a year and a half. That's a lot. Yeah. <laughs> Most people can't buy <laughs> one house in a year and a half. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> okay. So then, so you guys started it together, correct? No. Ooh, let's, let, yeah, I want to hear about this because I think it's going to set up for what following question I wanted to ask. You, you, you can say how you start. Um, this is not a couple's dating show, so don't worry. We won't test each other. This might cause a breakup. <laughs> Split into two businesses. Um, no, so we, we did, so, okay, she, we both worked in Wyndham at Selling Timeshare. And, that's uh, where we all started. Yeah, that's where we were all started. That's kind of where the seed money came from as well for both of us. Um, prior to going to business together, each one of us owned our own house. So when we sold it, we also got some of that seed money to bring into the business. But uh, yeah, so she was making really good money. And then I started the business right when COVID started. And uh, we were all furloughed, but I was one of the very few that fortunately they kept me on a salary while we were furloughed, not taking tours. So I was like, man, this is great and all, but I, I really feel like I need to start doing my own thing with this whole COVID situation. And uh, I told her, I was like, hey, why don't you come and start working with me? And 
No, no, no. He said, why don't you start working for me? Yeah, it was this for me. This is where the breakup part <laughs> happens. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so I had a, a partner. He was way younger than me. And so how it worked out, I told him, it's like, well, I'm still working at, you know, selling these timeshares. I'll pay for all the knowledge and so you can get this information. He signed up for a course in wholesaling real estate. And I told him, once you take that course and you feel you're ready, you know, teach me because that way I don't have to be there. I don't have access to I'm still working at selling these timeshares. So once he was like, yeah, I got this. I was like, all right, I'll, you know. See you later, Wyndham. You hired someone to learn the information for you so you could still work and make the money. That's pretty fucking uh, <laughs> smart. I'm not, there's credit there. Yeah, so he had the time. I didn't have the time, so I paid for the classes. He took the classes, learned the information, and I just came on board and started executing with him on all these things that he had learned. How mad would you have been if he came back, said, I finished the course, and he couldn't teach you a lick of what he learned? <laughs> yeah that would have been pretty messed up <laughs> no but i knew the kid he was young he was hungry he had approached several other people that were already in the real estate world and they had turned them down and i could see he was hungry and i feel like he had what he need what would you need for this and i was like all right let's just do it I'll, I'll you know i'll invest in you and then you know you teach me and then we'll get it going together and that's when kind of approached her about, you know, becoming my employee. <laughs> <laughs> I have to pause every time you guys say that because I don't know what kind of reaction you guys have of, of each other saying that. But uh, I think the cool part here that I want to touch base on, too, because we all came from the same um, career background, I guess you can say. Uh, and with my business, I never committed to the business without milking out every dollar I could with the job I already had. Uh, I looked at Wyndham as my cash cow to build to where I could fund what I wanted to do. Uh, and I think that's a huge piece too, not going fully into the business or the idea of what you want to do until you have kind of all your ducks in somewhat of a line. Obviously, it's, I think it's impossible to yeah. have everything set up perfectly, but uh, it's good that we had the income flowing, especially with two businesses that will take a lot of income to or a lot of money to get it up and running. Yeah. Um, so coming from that, when did you guys make that full quit? Yeah, it was right during COVID. Um, like COVID had just become open to the entire world. Uh, the resorts were shutting down and we were like, you know, let's not watch Netflix. Let's educate ourselves and, and start this business going. Like I really feel most millionaires own real estate, so why why can't we make it the same way? And, you know, we both have that hustle mentality and that go-getter that we're like, man, we'll be great teammates. And uh, we were already partners, like dating each other, I mean. And, <laughs> <laughs> well, let's make that clear. They're yeah. together, guys. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but at that time, she, I told her, it was like, she was, great, she was making great money, and I told her, you know, I know probably in the beginning it's not going to be as great. But it was not. Yeah. Not great. Yeah, she went from earning like over six figures to making $10,000 that year. So well, so let's get into that, Tanya, because um, I think jumping into <laughs> any business, you, especially coming from a job that you actually are making good money, there's a sacrifice that you have to, you know you're going to go into where you are making X, Y, Z, you're living a pretty uh, nice life, but then all of a sudden you're choosing uh, to take a major income drop off uh, for hopefully this potential income that is not there yet. So what? how did that, that all feel? And you can tell us exactly. It's all right. Um, no, I mean, uh, when I do something, I, I go all the way. If I, I like to give 100% or more on everything in my life. So he... He already had a business, and he had, unfortunately, not the best partner. Um, so I was working for him, and I was doing 100 times more than his partner. Um, so I started, like, seeing how we can grow, but unfortunately, the partner was just too lazy. He came to – so first, I built a wall in my house, 
A wall? A wall. So <laughs> dividing my living room from the kitchen, um, I had this brand new house and it was a huge house just for myself. So I told him, let's just put a call center in my house. Oh, wow. So we built a wall and uh, we start cold calling and I start hiring people from my own team in Timeture. So we had a great, great team and I knew this great salespeople. So I told him, let's just get these people on our side and, and ask them to call after work. Um, so during COVID, we what, were not taking that many tours. What, what were they calling? Who were you guys trying to call? What was this cold calling about? So we were calling people that owns several um, off-market properties. Off, off properties. So it's different cases. People own a lot of rentals. Other people, they just get properties from their parents and they don't want to deal with any property here in Florida. Um, it's different type of off-market properties. So we start calling, cold calling, and his partner used to come to the office at 11 in the morning to sleep in the couch and just not be the best. On which side of the wall? <laughs> <laughs> the not working side. Yeah. Yeah, on the not working side, yeah. Do you guys, like, throw pillows over the wall at each other when someone's not working to the working side or it was crazy it, it was crazy for me and and i was getting like i was taking it too personal like it was my business and it was not my business it's personal um so i told him i'm gonna quit my job and i'm gonna go full time and i'm gonna i'm, I'm gonna support your dream and it then worked it became out both of your dreams yes right there yes <laughs> yeah. I have to make sure I also keep this relationship going <laughs> for after the podcast. Um, so when so when that all happened, and now it's now you two on a team. Uh, what was like that next step to say, hey, now that we have multiple people that are fully on board, how are we going to take this? Um, so we went to we went to a trip together uh, with few friends, and the second day that we were out of the country on our trip. Uh, he got a call from his partner saying that everybody quit on him. So we had no employees after we were gone for two days. Yeah, it was pretty bad. We literally had just arrived on our trip in Guatemala. And I get this whole bunch of text messages like around 5 in the morning. And my partner's telling me, hey, this person quit, this person quit, this other person quit. And we're left with no cold callers. It's just going to be you and me when you come back. And Tanya. Jeez. And at that point, I was like, man, like, you just took a big dump on my trip. Yeah. <laughs> Could have at least waited till the day I'm leaving yeah. to come back home. So that trip didn't go all, you know, great and stuff. And, you know, we were pretty much stressed out because she had just quit her job. I had quit my job. You know, we were fully vested into this new venture for us. She had sectioned part of her kitchen into the living room, into a boiler room, and we had nobody to boil it with. Oh, man. So, the water's not even heating up now. Yeah, we were out dry, man. So it, it was uh, – that, that's when we kind of like – you know, we spoke to each other and we were like, you know, if we we're going to really be committed to this, it's going to be just you and me because we need somebody that's going to be 100%. Count on and, yeah, and then if you're 100% and I'm 100%, let's let's just get started when we back home. And I came back home. We we dissolved the company. He kept the company. He kept the name, and uh, we just started Magnolia Magnolia States. So that's where it was really born. All right. So now we're there. So it kind of took a a little life moment slap in the face to figure out what you can trust, who you can work with. Uh, and one of the guys I actually just had on uh, the other day on the show, uh, he, he made a good point where he, he actually hates the term self-made. Uh, and at first I was like, well, isn't that what a lot of us are, you know, when we're these little entrepreneurs that are starting from nothing. Uh, but the big thing he said is no, no one is truly self-made because if you become successful on your own, you didn't do it on your own. You needed friends or support or a mentor or partners. Uh, to get to where you are, no one has individualized themselves completely and then still been successful. Uh, so how did that relationship work? Because you guys were also together dating and then also starting a business with a wall in the house. How did, <laughs> yeah. how did you guys juggle or separate love, real life to work? 
Man, to be honest, it's hard to separate. You know, it's not like you can switch hats and go from business to relationship just like that. You know, unfortunately, as human beings, we take our problems to the bed, to your relationship. So for us, that's been of a you know that's been a challenge for us, but it's something that we've been able to manage more than really just you know switch hats and stuff like that. Um, yeah, that's sort of what we do. You know, when she finds myself just going on and on, or you know, bringing in our problems late at night, she you know she's she tells me, hey, stop! Like it's our time now. Is you that know? normally the dynamic, or is it both vice versa? No, it's mostly me. <laughs> okay. Okay. So uh, at least the truth comes out. So, yeah. Tony, how do you actually, how do you manage that? Because obviously as the manager, I guess, of the clock in, clock out, which to keep a healthy relationship, you you can't let the business be everything. Because then uh, obviously I'm single, so I don't know how much I can uh, give feedback on this. But <laughs> yeah. uh, I would assume that you have to still keep building your own relationship separate from the business for both to be successful. Uh, so how did you kind of manage that with the uh, clock in, clock out aspect? Um, it's hard. It's, it's really, really hard. But I don't know. I, I feel that you have to respect your time as well. Um, I love our business and we work 24 seven. Um, well, no, because you clock in and out a little bit, so maybe like 22-7, <laughs> right? Probably, <laughs> yes. But I feel that if you don't give time to yourself and to your relationship, it's hard for you to be successful or give 100% to your employees or your business. So whenever he comes home and he started like, keep talking about the business and the houses and on and on and on and on, I just look at him and say, hey, I'm not your partner anymore or your business partner. I'm here with the dogs. Let's talk about the show or the dogs or what you want to eat or whatever. I just changed the subject and he like he's pretty good at it. He realized when I'm tired and yeah, he's, he's good at it. Or sometimes I just say, I'm like, hey, let's just go out and have dinner. Let's just try to look pretty even if we tire <laughs> no no business talk no business no no business talk and we try our best to just go and have dinner and not talk about the business at all so we we try at least one day a week take it off for ourselves is that something you guys probably are constantly conscious about and trying to always get better and better at cuz that's not something that you can just say hey this is our problem we're going to fix it like this snap of the finger uh, so that's something you guys are still constantly always. Yeah, working. you have to be there. I mean, it's a con you have to. It's a conscious effort that you have to do because, you know, we're in it a hundred percent. It's our business. It's our livelihood. It's how we provide to ourselves. Uh, how we help our families, but you have to make a conscious effort not to, you know, have one drag the other one down. And I think it's important too. Starting a business, obviously, when anything is at the beginning stages, the sacrifices of how much time you need to put in and um, that grind time where it really is has to be 24-7, uh, that's a tough thing because for a business to work, you need that grind time. But then the relationship probably went on a nice pause almost in uh, some sense. And then kind of when you got through that phase, then it kind of went back to a little more like, all right, now we can also focus on both the business and the relationship. Is that kind of how it went? Yeah, we we went through some really tough moments in the beginning of our business where our very first flip in uh, St. Petersburg, they took almost seven months, six, seven months to, to fully finish. Wow. And we had pretty much all of our eggs on that basket and yeah, the relationship took a couple of hits. You know, we were struggling financially. These guys weren't giving us the house. They weren't finishing on time. So definitely took some hits, but you know, here we are. Oh, so I also want to get a little of the tea, if you guys don't mind. Uh, what were some of those rough patches that you guys had to deal with together? Man, too many. <laughs> <laughs> That's fair. I would have yeah. expected that. I would I would actually call you guys out for lying if you guys said, no, everything went smoothly. No, we were always no happy because let's be real. That's bullshit. Yeah. <laughs> Success is not like the straight line. You know, it's a whole bunch of curves, sharp curves. 
loops. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, we our relationship was challenged many times just like our how our business was, but, you know, uh with our fates and just, you know, the resilience and our work ethic, we, you know, me we we made it work out. I would you guys say cuz I've also uh, started up a business when I was in a relationship. Um, would you guys kind of say a true successful relationship and how you have to attend to it and work on it? Would you find it pretty similar in the sense of kind of how a business is starting up where you constantly do have to make sure you guys are aware of what's going on, care to it, uh, focus on it, also give the proper attention to, uh, I feel like they're pretty similar in that sense. Yeah, it's like anything that you wanted to do well, you have to water it, you have to take care of it, and a relationship is nothing less like that. It's just like a business, it, you know, you have to make sure you're aware, you're conscious, that you're constantly do- putting effort so that it becomes whatever you want it to be. I like that, I like that. So then when we got to this first one, is it this one in St. Pete was the first actual flip? Yeah. So then how from that after seven months of dealing with it, <laughs> were there any doubts of even keep continue moving forward after that kind of having that huge speed bump right off the bat? Yeah, that house was it was a challenge for many reasons. Uh, she can elaborate a little bit on that. The nightmare house. <laughs> well, it ended up being our house. <laughs> <laughs> All right. First curveball there. I like yeah. that. <laughs> Yeah, so the house we, it was a good deal on on paper. So we got this house for a hundred and sixteen thousand. It needed like forty grand, and it would have appraised or it appraised at like three hundred. Mm-hmm. So it was a really good deal on paper, but and I guess when we got a little bit too excited when we bought it, but we didn't realize it was right in front of the highway. So oh. after seven months of these guys not completing the work and when we finally go and put it on the market we had like i don't know 30 showings you know the the market started taking off during after a little bit after covid had been you know a worldwide pandemic and so we had all these showings and we had one offer and then when they went to finally you know sign the paper that we you know agreed with to this offer they're like nah nah, never mind i don't want the house it's right in front of the highway So I assume that the search for houses moving forward, uh, that memory of that home and that choice and decision always kind of stays right there in your Yeah, thought. you have to be, like I said, you you have to be conscious of absolutely everything. And we just saw the numbers on paper. We obviously went to the property many times, but, you know, we didn't really think much of the highway until we were done with this project. You would close the door to the house and you would hear the sound Oof. in your kitchen. <laughs> so, yeah, that was, you know, we put it on the market. It didn't sell. So I was like, all right, we, we needed to get out of the hole. I contacted my lender and we just did a cash out refinance. Fortunately, the, the appraisal value came in really good. We got uh, some, you know, good cash out from it. And we just we were like, you know what? We just sold our both of our properties in Orlando. Let, you know, it it just happened to be that by the time we sold her house, and we were without a house, we we weren't getting any traction with this house, and we we're like, all right, let's just live there. Tony, so, Tony, how do you feel that you quit your job, <laughs> making your six figures, everything is nice and easy? Uh, no pressure. Brand new house. Brand new house. All right, I'm gonna jump. Th- you know, jump off the ledge into this uh, new world of business from scratch, and then this first situation happens. Sirens in the living room. <laughs> Can we just uh, skip this part? No. no, 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 no. This is a part we definitely want to cover. Uh, no, I don't know. I mean, once you in that situation, all you can do is just look for a way out. You cannot overthink what's going on. You either look for a solution or you're stuck. And the good part about it is that he... So it's funny because since I know him, he always said the same thing. I will never move out of Orlando. This is my town. This is where I like to live. To live. And 
I used to love St. Pete because I used to live in Tampa, so I was very, very close. Um, and I used to love that place. So instead of me looking at it's a problem, I was like, okay, so finally I'm going to be able to be on a place where I wanted to be. So I think that was the, I mean, it was hard at the moment, but it's one of the best decisions that we have ever made. Uh, and I think that also helped our relationship, just being in a town that you have everything close by, it's always something going on. So if you want to go out on Monday, trust me, you will get a place to go to um, no matter the time. So something bad makes something good, I guess, at the end. So it worked out, and now it's one of our best Airbnbs. So I think looking back, you probably obviously have that look that, hey, this was one of those best decisions that could have played out. Obviously, in the moment, you probably never thought that. But now, where? how do we move forward from that into uh, it actually growing? So how we buy properties is with cash, but the cash really comes from our hard money lender. We have a revolving line of credit of $2 million that we can buy as much or as many properties we can with that line of credit. So we bought this house with the hard money lender already giving us a certain budget for the rehab. But because we were so strapped with cash, we took on another loan, $60,000 loan, at a 16% interest rate. Ooh, credit card rate. Yeah. <laughs> and it wasn't even with the, it was with a private lender. And uh, so we had these two really big loans that we had to, or that we were paying interest on. And we had to essentially cash them out by the time we would refinance. But all that was just, you know, pain in the butt, trying to coordinate what, what was going to be the next step. And, uh, you know, like I said, I spoke to, to our lender and, you know, they appraised the house. Fortunately, the appraisal came back. We did the cash out refinance. And just as just like all that money came in, it just disappeared, paying all that debt. And we were back to square one. <laughs> and then where, where did house number two, how did that come about? So that house had a detached garage. And the lot size for that house, it's called Main Street House on Airbnb. Check it out. <laughs> Free shout out. <laughs> no, but uh, it had a, a detached garage and we were like, hey, like that's not doing anything for us. Why don't we turn it into a mother-in-law suite and put it on Airbnb? And we spent $23,000 doing that unit. And out of all of our houses, that's the one that gives us the least headaches and the best cash flow. The least headaches, but really the biggest headaches at the start. But oh, yeah. That's kind of how business is, right? Headaches to other headaches, but usually some headaches will go away and that's just kind of part of it. Uh, and I think that's the biggest thing for any entrepreneurs out there is there's no such thing as smooth sailing. Like you will have these kind of obstacles that will feel like complete roadblocks, uh, but there's no real road that can block someone if you want something bad enough. And I think that's something that we had with uh, the last episode, the last guy who's a, a, a business coach. And it's one of those things that he always he talked about, and I view it pretty similar, that you can pretty much get out of anything or get through anything. Uh, it's There's going to be a lot of scares, a lot of fear, and it's always natural for the first instinct to say, well, if I just don't even do it, I don't have to deal with it. Uh, but there's no nothing good on the other side if you're just going to turn around and go back to the same life. Uh, you have to go through that wall, whether it's chiseling, bulldozer, something. Uh, and that's kind of what you guys were pushing through. Yeah, usually the problems that you face and the movies that you make in your head, they really don't align with what mm -hmm. your outcome can be. So I had a really big issue with that. And I, like, I would face a situation. I would already go to, my, you know, I would already start thinking the worst case scenario. But then, yeah, I'm that way. <laughs> she, so thanks to her, that's something that I was able to work on. She she told me like, why don't you look at the best case scenario? Like, you know, we're facing these difficulties, these issues right now. But let's look at the best case scenario. How can we, you know, get ourselves out of this hole? How can we move forward? And you have to do that, man. And business is. Like I said, it's not a straight line, and the movies that you make in your head, they usually don't always play out like that. 
they usually end up sad movies if you let them happen. You, you yeah, have to create it, your own movie constantly. Yeah, you can't let your negative thoughts dictate how everything is going to be played out because otherwise it'll be it'll play out like that. Yep. So, and things usually don't look as bad as you actually make them seem. It there's a, there's always a solution just like how you just said. Like you just have to look a little bit closer, uh, ask for help and That's a big one. Yeah. I'll, ask for help, man. There's people that have been in your shoes a million times over and over again and are doing really well. So just ask for help. And that's kind of one of the things that we also did. We signed up for a really expensive mentor mentorship um, at that point. I mean, it was, I mean, only (laughs) 7,000, but I mean, at that lot for mentorship. Yeah, no, at that point it was like, man, like 7,000 bucks. This is going to take a lot of our money right now. But we did it, you know, we signed up for the mentorship and it's how we've been to acquire all these houses quicker, favorable with all these crazy, ridiculous loans that we're able to structure. We're, we have several houses where we pay 0% interest rate. Oh, wow. So, so let's dive into the number side and the growth side. And uh, now that we're kind of looking for, or we got our second uh, place, sounds a little mother-in-law sweet. So then let's get into how the business grew to what it is now in only a year and a half, especially during a pandemic, right? Because real estate market... Buying homes, uh, is it safe to say, it's kind of a nightmare during this. Uh, selling and renting out is pretty good, but how did you guys kind of get through the tough times while already dealing with a tough journey ahead? Yeah, I mean, you know, the number one rule in real estate is you make your money when you buy, not when you sell. So as long as you're making good purchases, it doesn't matter if the market goes up, if the market goes down. You know, you you made a good purchase, so you know you're gonna be you're gonna be okay. And that's kind of like the thought that we had to fall back when we thought about this highway house. Like it looks good on paper, we're not selling it, but Plan B we can refinance out. And so yeah, that's a really good lesson with real estate. Like make sure you're always getting yourself in good deals. And the other thing is, if you have rental properties, you know they say cash is king, but I but we say cash flow is king. Yeah, especially real estate, because that's one of the main and only things that when you own it, it's cash as it is, whether it's the equity or if you need to, you can turn it into income. I don't think anyone's never going to need to buy a home or rent a home at any time. I think that's something that the world will always need for as long as we live here. Yeah, if you own rental properties, you know, equity comes, equity goes, but cash flow is always there. So if your mortgage is... 1200 and you're renting it out for 1800 and your current value of your house is 300 and then tomorrow goes to 200 you're still cash flowing six seven hundred bucks so as long as you're playing that game you're you're going to be saved when it comes to flipping it's a different a little bit different because you're fighting against time and what the market's currently doing so with that side of the business, we're always go, 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 because we don't know what's going to happen. I know even though that you're making a good purchase, you want to make sure that if you're expecting a house to appraise a certain amount, you want to be able to get it out as quickly as possible so that you get that amount that you're expecting. And so with the market as it is, what kind of focus did you guys have? To your point, you said buying is obviously where the money is. How about buying with the market that it is right now? Um, we normally get properties off market, um, so they're not on the market on the best situation. Um, so they always need. Is it safe to say they're like dumps? Yeah, <laughs> pretty much. Pretty much. The dumps that say "save me" on the front. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yeah. you, 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 yes, it is like that. I mean, sometimes we go to places that it's crazy. You think twice how these people live here. So. Um, yeah, I mean, one of the best parts is that we get properties off market. Um, that helps a lot. And we we don't call everybody. We, we try to target what we want and what we know it will be safe for us. And I think a, a big kudos I want to give to you guys is uh, the business idea y'all had. I'm sure when COVID hit, there was some fear and do we have to wait for the, to even do this business? 
And kind of to what we were just saying, you guys said, hey, here's this massive roadblock now, but we want to get through it. So you guys found a way to say, hey, let's go off market. It's going to probably be a lot more work because we're going to have to do a lot more before we can rent it out uh, or sell it. But, we, you know, you guys still found a way. Uh, and I think that's a great story for anyone out there when, I mean, uh, your business is literally selling or renting out uh, homes and Airbnbs, which buying homes right now, most people don't even want to touch that idea. Uh, and you guys found essentially a way around it to n- not really have it affect you. Uh, so kudos to that. Yeah, I guess when people run away, that's when we like to jump in because it's not it's not a trend. You know, people are running away. And Warren Buffett says this all the time, when times of fear is when I usually jump in. And that's kind of like the idea behind this, like, during COVID, everybody got really scared. Nobody was buying. No, nobody was selling. But not us. We were, we were, we were getting into real estate. We were buying properties. We were wholesaling properties, and we've continued to to be on that same beat ever since. I mean, people are always going to need a place to stay, a place to a place to live. So it's kind of like the visit to the dentist, right? <laughs> <laughs> I just went to the dentist. I actually love going to the dentist, by the way. Uh, nothing feels better than walking out of that place. Um, but all right. So then how do we grow this? What, let's let's kind of share the uh, part of the journey where we're buying these homes and getting uh, the numbers up. So one of our biggest benefit is just like how Tanya mentioned is getting our properties off market. That's how we've been buying all of our properties completely off market. Our call center, which is in based, based out in Colombia, it's the nucleus to our business. And the call center brings in these off-market properties, which then feeds our construction team, which then, which, which then free, uh, feeds our Airbnb business and everything in, the, in there in between as well. So one of the biggest benefits that we have is being completely direct to the seller. There's no realtors in between. There's no bringing the price of the property because of these bidding wars, nothing. We get to be completely direct to the seller, and we're able to negotiate that price to where we know it's a good investment for us and also for the customer because, you know, they're only these people do business with us because they trust us. So we, we like to make, it, make sure that we work out win-win scenarios, and we've had people that have sold their house to us came back, looked at the houses and just go completely in tears and, you know, in joy of what we turn out to be, those houses that we purchased from them. I mean, we've bought pretty rough houses that we've turned into, like, beautiful places. Did they feel like they missed out? <laughs> I don't think we've had a single uh, seller, you they know, just feel any type of way about They just knew that they didn't have it in them. So glad someone yeah, did. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, what we do is it's really tough and it takes a lot of hard work and it's a whole bunch of little pieces bringing them together. And it's not something for, you know, maybe like a person that's in their retirement or, you know, something like that. Or, or even that an, want no stress in their work. Yeah. Cause we've, we've already, we've also built a few people from foreclosure. Like we had this guy was like, yeah, just take my house. And as long as my credit doesn't get messed up, um, um, you'll make me super happy. And we've, we've gotten people out of those sticky situations as well. And so, and you said, how many properties are we at now? We have 23 properties. Okay. Or so 23 units. Cause we've got like quads, which is four doors, um, duplexes, a little bit know. of everything. Yeah. So then we went from the one and two, did you start buying one at a time and then flipping one at a time and then putting it out? Or did you get to a point where we're acquiring and uh, renovating or flipping or making it beautiful, whatever terminology, uh, at multiple at each time? So one of, the, one of the things that I read many years ago that have always stayed with me is if you want to grow, you have to always put yourself in a perpetual state of discomfort. And I feel like we constantly do that to the point that we're always uncomfortable. And you would have thought that, you know, you just came out of this really sticky situation with this highway house. 
But no, we went and we would bought we bought two more other house and we just, right on the highway. Yeah, right out of the highway. <laughs> you didn't, right? No. Okay. <laughs> but uh, yeah, we we've always had multiple projects going at the same time, and um, we didn't even start with a whole bunch of money. No. We we had I don't know how much money that we have. Um. Like seventy thousand. Yeah, it's combined. Combined in the like during the middle of it all, kind of. No, like when we started. Oh wow. Okay. So then, how quick did you get to let's say ten? Leverage. So what do I mean by that? Yeah, please explain. <laughs> yeah. Because <laughs> your your own cash can only go so far, right? Like yep. one ho- seventy grand, you can't even really buy an entire house. You know, you need it's a down payment. Yeah, it's a down payment, but. um the benefit was that we each owned our own houses and we approached this lender, a hard money lender, and they asked us, hey, do you guys have any experience in owning properties, this and that? And I was like, well, and they asked for, you know, our, uh, what, what's it called, uh, track record. And then I, when I sent them my track record, I was very surprised that they approved us because my track record was made up of one house. <laughs> the house the I had just house. sold. <laughs> no, this was part owning the highway house. <laughs> In my own residence with an FHA loan that I had bought years ago. Oh, wow. And uh, yeah, that's how we, we were able to leverage. We, they allowed us, they, they, um, they lend us money on one house. They would lend us money on the rehab as well. And then after the third house they would give you a five house limit after the five house they'll give you a one million dollar line of credit limit and now we're on the pro level which they just give you a revolving two million dollar line of credit is that pretty normal with lenders to uh to allow people in the same kind of uh journey yeah i mean it's not like you you knew a buddy that hooked you up so how it happened, it was like I went to Alehouse with my previous business partner and a friend of ours that he was already in real estate, but he was more of like, he was working for an investor. And I asked him, I was like, man, like, I know you work for this investor. I'm sure he's got money, but like, how do you guys do all these projects all this time? He's like, no, nah, man, we work with Lending Home. I was like, who? Lending home. I took out my cell phone, wrote lending home, went home, re- did some research, send them my one page resume with that one house. And fortunately, they, you know, I had good credit. I didn't have a lot of money, but I had good credit. I had that single house. And I guess they took a little bit of uh, faith in me and <laughs> in, in us. And that's, you know, that's kind of how it, it to be able to scale. You need you need other people. So just going back to what you said, self-made. That's that's not true. You need you definitely need people, even if it's something like a bank or, you know, friends or whatever the case may be. But to be able to scale, you need other people like right now. We currently take we we have money coming to us all the time from private investors, people that just don't know what to do with their money. And and we just buy real estate and we partner up. I might have to send you guys some money, by the way. I've been uh, (laughs) I've been thinking of this for the last like two weeks. I'm like, wait. I can do this podcast, but I kind of want in on some of this. Yeah, man. Um, so, and where where the business is at now? So we have the twenty plus units. Are they all, all all up and running? Do we have some in renovation stages now? Yeah, we have uh, a duplex that's reno- being renovated. We have two mobile homes that are being renovated, and we just finished yesterday a single family house. And we have another one lined up as well. So we have like four or five projects lined up for us that we're currently working or we're about to start working. So is it, is my math correct? We have about 20 that are already up and running? Yeah. uh, Around that? 18. 18 properties up and running. Wow. And that was all in a year and a half. A year and a half. Okay. That's a, that's a lot. That's a, it's a good a lot. Uh, Sometimes too much, but. Like I said, you have to be uncomfortable to be comfortable later on. You have to be comfortable with being uncomfortable. 100%. I think that's a that's one of the biggest sayings I like to use or remind myself uh, when growth is happening. But when you're in that moment, it's easy to feel the negativity, all the the negative movie in your head. 
and say, hey, this is way too much. Yeah, let that highway house haunt you. Uh, And then all (laughs) of a sudden you have to say, hey, this is not the movie I want. I got to get out of it. Let me just get comfortable with it. Let me get used to this because if I want to keep on this journey, there's going to be always more uncomfortable times. And until you get used to that and work, uh, you know, help yourself uh, off of that whenever you do feel uncomfortable, it's a lot easier to actually move forward in uncomfortable situations once you learn how to be comfortable in that uncomfortability. Uh, and I think with what you guys are doing, especially with from construction to buying with and loans and renovations and every other issue that can come up with real estate, if anyone just watches one real estate show or one flipping <laughs> show, I'm sure you guys see uh, a piece of the mess that can happen. Uh, and it's one of those things, once you're comfortable with it, look at that, we're at 20 properties are 18 up and running in a year and a half with more to come so uh, applause to you guys uh, now I will say uh, we're gonna wrap this up but I already have an idea for a part two I want to have you all back on uh, I want to kind of take this next journey to talk about the crazy stories of the actual flipping uh, and oh, renovating of the homes themselves so you really don't want to hear all that I think that's why we want to hear it. So you guys might need to take a few shots before that episode, before we record it. Uh, We want all the tea of all the craziness. So we'll bring you on for that one. Uh, We'll let you guys maybe get these next few ones up and running as well. Uh, And I I love having you guys on again. So thanks for being here on this one. Thank you, man. I really appreciate it. Thank you. Uh, Now let's end with this, though. We'll send it out. What's the biggest tip or feedback you can give to any uh, entrepreneur out there thinking of starting something. Don't think too much. Just do. Don't think do. You know, just whatever you want to do, just do it. Get informed, learn about it, and then execute. And if you don't know what you want to do or where you want to go, then ask other people that are where you essentially want to be. It's really not that difficult. It just takes effort, a lot of it, and commitment. And that's all you really have to do. Just, you know don't think you know it all because there's you don't you don't <laughs> yeah no one does and tanya if you had to pick a different tip to share uh out there to the listeners what would it be biggest tips that i can give out is um don't if you have someone that you say well one day i want to be like that or want to be in that situation if that person is already there trust me you can be there as well and even better so don't don't limit yourself because you can be your biggest enemy or you can be your biggest um, fan, supporter. Fan. Absolutely. I believe on that end. If anybody can do it, trust me, you can do it same way or even better. So even to piggyback off that real quick, it's yeah, it's one of those things that if you see someone where you want to get to, they still have made mistakes. So why not use that to your benefit and then learn what they did right and then also learn what they could have done better or did wrong and that will only make you become better than even where that person is. Um, that's that's the ultimate goal anyway. Uh, so to wrap it up, give a little shout out to the website, the Instagram, so people can find you guys. So our Instagram is magnolia2 underscores estates and our website is magnoliaestates.net. So there it is, guys. If anyone wants to join or throw them some money or uh, maybe be a part of uh, the next highway project, uh, reach out to them. Uh, And hey, we'll see you guys on the next episode.